This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey everybody, this is Joshua Lewis with The Remnant Radio. We've got an exciting episode today on discipleship. I've got Levi Lutz and Joel Stock still with me on the program today. Uh, Stay tuned, it's going to be a great episode. Joshua Lewis with The Remnant Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We've got an exciting episode for you. If you're new to Remnant Radio, we want to let you know what we do here. We're a theology broadcast. Our goal is to challenge orthodoxy, embrace diversity, and empower people for practical ministry. So in challenging orthodoxy, our goal is to uh, what is commonly taught in the church, to bring different pastors from different churches and denominations on the program to help us study that out and make sure that it's not the traditions of men. Because Christ said in the Gospels that the Word of God is nullified by the traditions of men. So our goal is to make sure that what we're teaching in our pulpits is biblically rooted truth, uh, and then we embrace diversity by having these different pastors and teachers on, ultimately to empower you in your practical day-to-day living. Uh, The Bible says in John 17, 3, that eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. So true theology, the study of God, will empower you and impact you in your everyday life on my my right, your left, I've got Evangelist Levi. Levi, you are not a a uh, a new a new face to the show. You've, was this episode five for you? Something like that. Yeah, man. It's been I'm fun. at home. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, um, a little bit about your ministry, how people can follow you. And yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah just connect with us on Facebook. I, I love Jesus. Jesus transformed my life radically. And ever since then, I've been running hard after Jesus and trying to introduce as many people to him uh, as I can. And um Man, we just love the Lord. We love being here with Josh, and I believe it's going to be a powerful broadcast. Amen. And Joel is on my left, your right. Uh, Joel, tell us a little about your ministry, how people can connect with you, and then we'll jump into the topic. Yeah, um, I was in local church pastoral ministry for years, uh, ministering to youth and young adults. I still carry a, a, a tremendous burden for the next generation. But over the last five years, I've transitioned more, I guess, uh, to a new season, and some would say. Uh, to do an apostolic ministry, working with senior pastors, as well as I oversee the prophetic department at Gateway Church here in Dallas. So just doing a lot with pastors and leaders and then running around prophesying, man, speaking the word of the Lord. Uh, The prophetic reveals the heart of Jesus. A lot of times people have constrained or kind of put the prophetic in the corner of seeing the future. And that is definitely always going to be a part of the prophetic. But the prophetic is primarily revealing the heart of Christ. And so just running around, revealing the heart of Christ from the word of God. It's not just a thus saith the Lord. It's declaring what the word says, as well as revealing a now word from the Holy Spirit to people that encourages, strengthens, brings direction, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. So that that's really uh, what's burning in me right now. Amen. Pastors and leaders building local churches through an apostolic platform there uh, with Gateway and their apostolic team, as well as the prophetic now, really just running with that, releasing the word of the Lord. And I'm excited to be talking about our topic today on discipleship because this thing burns in me, man. And I'm glad that, that we're talking about that, having uh, you you having a prophetic voice and a prophetic ministry, uh, and then having such a great track record with discipleship. I remember going out to the 220 conference with Daniel Norris and the team yeah. out there. Um, man, that was that was a powerful conference, helping us get inside public schools. Uh, right. uh, me and my buddy, 
uh, we, we took the principles that you guys taught there, and we were reaching between 90 and 200 students inside of public high schools at 17 and 18. Wow. Uh, so we were, we were in there uh, teaching, training, discipling. Uh, we had homosexual students who had, had come to our discipleship courses, and we were talking about Jesus every single week, death, burial, mm-hmm. resurrection, repentance kind of stuff. They were there for six months. Come on, wow. We Jesus. built relationships with these people, planted seed that will never pass away. And I, and I look to your ministry as a really as a catalytical event that helped us. We've always wanted to do this, but you yeah. really gave us the tools and implemented how to do this. So very Amen. fruitful. Um, you just launched a youth pastor discipleship. Talk about that just a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, youth pastor university is really a amalgamation of all the knowledge that I gained in those years and some of what you're talking about. Uh, I, I felt like we needed to get this information in the hands of youth pastors all over the world, student leaders, young adult leaders. Really, it doesn't matter anybody in that that particular field. And uh, several years ago, we launched it to about 150 churches that we brought through it. And now we're actually in the process of launching it globally. And we're wanting to see student pastors, youth pastors, young adult pastors from all over the world, uh, every continent, going through. It's a 12-week 12-lesson uh, course where people are talked to about discipleship because the discipleship model, which is what we call it, is something that is completely foreign to where we've come in the Western church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Western church is built around events, yep. whether it's Wednesday night, Sunday night, once a month, whatever. <laughs> it's all about events where we don't ever see anything about that in the scriptures. It was discipleship. It was building relationship. It was pouring in. It was encouraging them in the word. It was encouraging them in prayer. It was teaching them how to walk in the daily disciplines. And uh, so we're we're right now in the process of launching that uh, worldwide. You'll be able to see that at Youth Pastor Uni uh, is the site for it. Dot com, dot org? Yeah, uh, it's dot com or dot org i can't remember right now okay sounds good but but it's youth pastor you can Uni, find it on google yeah you'll find <laughs> just google it youth pastor university or put my name in and we're wanting to empower youth pastors to get a fresh fire for discipleship yeah in man. fact the lord uh had put it on my heart to call it the discipleship model mm-hmm. because a lot of people say what's the model what's the model and i said it's a discipleship model it's built on discipleship Everything else is secondary to discipleship. And you kind of have to keep saying that and saying that and preaching that because we have a completely different mindset in the Western world to the discipleship model that Jesus gave us in the Gospels. Which is, which is interesting because, you know, I usually have pastors on who are passionate about uh, discipleship. And here I have a prophetic voice and an evangelistic voice. And both mm-hmm. of you have a very strong track record in discipleship. Levi, tell us just a little bit about how uh, you're working with the, the the home that you're working with, pulling drug addicts, pulling homeless yeah. people off the street, discipling them, and how you've made a commitment not to just, you know, uh, make converts, but make disciples. Yeah. And, you know, you, you bring up the Harvest House. In that context, at this point, I'm even... Push this. There you oh, go. yeah. You much go. better. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's uh, you know, it's almost completely ran by a staff that I discipled up myself. So you don't just have the direct discipleship into someone off the street, but you see the fruit of 10 years, 15 mm-hmm. years of discipling, bringing up sons and daughters. Of course, you're a spiritual father who you've had on the show, Daniel Norris, big into investing in sons and daughters. I love the heart that he has. And it's the same. And so it, 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 there, there were almost many years where I almost, you know, we, we, we were preaching the gospel. We were, of course, winning the lost. But the big focus of our ministry behind the scenes, the the Monday, you know, to the Friday, was not what can we promote or what can we do. It was pouring into people one-on-one, taking them with you, letting them shadow mm-hmm. you, see you 24 hours a day. You know, uh, teach, you know they, they came to Jesus, teach us how to pray, you know, letting them just watch you get up in the morning at 5 a.m. and go after God. Just the building blocks of what the Christian life is. And that, and that seems very, you know, elementary but it's completely deficient, like like Joel was saying, in the model that we have. Yeah. And so we have guys that are orphaned, and they're running around, you know, seven, eight, nine years in the ministry, missing uh, very important foundational blocks yeah. that they are then trying to fake or uh, put on a particular face. And it's no wonder that we see it crash. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so we, we spend a lot of time investing in these guys almost to the point, you know, that... that uh, you know, living in a way this sounds bizarre, but if I were to drop tomorrow, 
my initiative in the world that God's given me would only increase and go on. This is the Jesus model. Yeah. Spend three and a half years, pour your guts out, and then these guys will impact the world, right? And uh, and so, yeah, so now almost all the, you know, I travel, I preach, I give altar calls. All the peripheral ministry is essentially ran by people much smarter than I that we invested our whole DNA in. Come on. That's it, man. So Okay, so uh, we have this this idea, this nomenclature that there are certain offices in the body of Christ that are that are called to certain ministries, but we're all called to make disciples. We're all yeah. called to preach the gospel. We're all, you know, like Paul wished that all would prophesy. These are desired things that they would empower us, that would would impact us. Now, you, you're you're talking about discipling youth pastors, but but this is a broad topic. We're going to pull some of the principles out of this piece right. that apply to everybody, just yeah. like we talked about discipleship. Prophetic ministry, evangelistic ministry, both passionate about discipleship. The principles of leadership that are coming out of this youth pastor course, um, we're going to share some of those that are going to be applicable to everyone today in this episode. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I see that you've got First Corinthians open here. Do you, yeah. Is there something you want to share in this passage? Well, the, the verse that's really been burning in my heart lately concerning this subject is First Corinthians 11, 1. And that the New Living says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, or follow me as I follow Christ. That is the essence of discipleship. Uh, And where the the breakdown is happening in the body of Christ is that discipleship has been a course. Mm. It's been a program. It's been uh, a command that's given. When Paul said, imitate me, do what I do. That's what discipleship is. The disciples of Jesus were his disciples because they followed him around, saw what he did, and imitated it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of <laughs> the a lot of the reason we don't have discipleship now is because a lot of leaders don't have a life that's worthy of being imitated. Right. That's good. It, it's it, it's not. It, when you really get down to it, they don't pray. Yeah. When you really get down to it, they mm-hmm. don't study the word. Right. Uh, they may they may build a message, obviously, but they're not in the word to allow the mm-hmm. word to change them. Their mind's not being renewed. Uh, they're not pursuing development in their character and in their marriage and in mm-hmm. things where it's like, hey, come in, come into my home and see how I live. Come into uh, come to this meal and see how my wife and I interact so that you can get a gauge for healthy marriage and what it's like to walk in a godly, healthy context in your marriage. And when when we have leaders who are, don't have a life that's worthy of being imitated or who don't have the humility to allow themselves to be open and transparent to imitation, because mm-hmm. it takes humility to say, hey, come in and see Everything. It's everything. The good, the bad, right. the ugly. Yeah. That's where this breakdown happens. And so we get these courses, we get programs, we get books that are like, hey, if you want to be a disciple, read this book. And it's like, yeah, that can be a piece, but that's a minor piece compared to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had in my earthly father. My dad imitated so I was able to imitate him as he imitated Christ. Yeah. How did I know what Christ looked like? Because my dad modeled it for me. And I followed that as he would get up every day, read the word, cry out to God in prayer, pray in the spirit, dance in the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, why do I dance in the spirit? Because I saw that. And he learned that from his father who was just imitating Christ, being taught by the Holy Spirit. And this is like a foreign thing. We haven't talked about a microphone. We haven't talked about a platform. We haven't talked about a a ministry, a 501c3, a staff. We certainly hadn't talked about a jet or anything like that. We're just talking about walking out the Christ walk and letting others come in to the mix and see how that's done and imitate that. So you've got like the leadership piece and you've got the subordinate piece uh, coming together to form discipleship. I'm I'm teaching at Trinity Church in Cedar Hill. I'm doing their uh, their uh, Bible school tomorrow, um, okay. and I'm doing uh, an overview of First and Second Timothy. And one of the things that that I was studying this week was that I, th- I think it was in the realm of 300,000 churches in America will close this year, um, and that is 100% leadership. Like, like that is, they, they weren't either given the proper tools, they don't have the proper relationships, they don't have the proper education to right. get them where they, they need to go. Right. Um, so, so tons of these problems with 
uh, both both theology, uh, both with practice in the way that we act, the way that we make our own disciples, uh, comes from uh, how who how we've been discipled. I was studying. Uh, do you guys, there's a secular psychologist by the name of Jordan Peterson. Yes. He's getting a lot of media attention. I was listening to one of his his education pieces on parenting and how um, uh, rats learn how to uh, have sportsmanship by the way they wrestle with their father. You know, in kids, same same kind of thing. I'm wrestling with my kids on the floor when I get home at night and we're playing and, and hanging out and they figure out how far is too far. Like when you start mm-hmm. ripping dad's hair out, that's mm-hmm. too far. Uh, and it's there's something about having dad there yeah. that develops that mental portion of your brain. Right. Um, and without that father piece present, they don't mm-hmm. they can't learn how far is too far and where do I go and, and what how do how do I uh, 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 you know develop in these certain areas? How do I build these relationships? And without proper discipleship, we have these orphaned and I hate using that word because it's like super cliche, but we have these orphaned orphaned uh, individuals out there leading movements who have never been discipled, who've never been cared for. Mm. One of my most precious memories is having Daniel Norris. Um, you know, I, I am having this conversation uh, where I am trying to defend him in the light of someone else. And he shuts me down and rebukes me and tells me it's pride and, and, and tells me to honor those people. And I'm like, what on earth? Like I'm defending you. Yeah. Uh, uh, but to have a father oversee me and, and put the sword down and live in humility and yeah. stop being prideful and, and, and eat some humble pie and that kind of thing. Yeah. That experience, I couldn't have got that, you know, just flipping through my pages because I would have justified myself with my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having that father figure in there to be able to speak into my life uh, formed me and, and shaped me to follow as, as, as they follow Christ. Uh, you know, I've seen what Levi's doing. We're 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 living in a culture where people are coming out of situations that without discipleship they don't have a chance. They're not yeah. good Christians right. who can just kinda coast through life. And Levi, I know you've seen the value and it's not just the value. It's not like, yeah, this would be something gonna do. There is no survival for right. a lot of the people that God's put you in connection with without discipleship. Right. Yeah, they weren't raised by Larry Stockstill. No. Yeah, no. That was, yeah. Not, that was not their background, okay? You, you know what makes me cringe? Joel, as he begins to speak on this, and, and Paul's imitate me as I imitate Christ, what makes me cringe is not only, Joel, are we not living lives worthy of them to be able to walk into, not only are we not inconvenience ourselves to welcome them in, but we, we, we you see people that go to a conference or they give an altar call, and they immediately give a disclaimer. They'll say right out of the box, well, you know, I'm not the example, so don't follow me. But this is what – it makes me want to vomit. Yeah. I'm just being honest. Like, yeah. because we have a responsibility to our children. That would yeah. be as, as as dumb as, you know, telling our kids, you know, some crazy, uh, well, you know, you need to go find a house to live in, you yeah. know. But, uh, you know, that's not my job. It's crazy. And so Paul's saying there, take the responsibility. We see later on in the Bible where there's just a harsh rebuke about the end times and the the junk that would come into the church. And he says this, he says, you're going to have leaders that are like wandering stars. Yeah. And, and the concept there is people can't set their course off this stuff. We, we should be able to be, you know, these guys follow you because there's a track record. Yes, they're following Jesus, but you've been consistent. You've set a, 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 a you know, you've been a rock and they say, man, this guy's invested in me. He's done this. I can walk this out. And then if you depart from that, you're going to face judgment for everybody that you've influenced. You understand the fear of the Lord in mm, that. You can't good. just say, eh, don't follow me. I'm not the example. Mm. No, we bring children in the world. We have a responsibility to bring them up. And we have to make sure that, that we're a, we're a unmoving star as we follow Christ so people can, can charter their course off as they grow to be able to follow themselves. What do, what do we do with people, and either of you can jump on this, what do we do with people who have amazing character, uh, who love the Lord, that have, they've been discipling, they've been caring, but then they get judas you know? Then they get stabbed in the back, and then suddenly they've closed themselves off to that level of intimacy for true discipleship. Because I've seen that where guys have consistent, consistently good character, consistently good discipleship, and then boom, that one guy hits them, and suddenly they don't want to have connection with the world. I've never seen anybody disciple anybody without a Judas. Yeah. You know, you do it long enough, you have a couple dozen of them, and yeah. it makes you better. helps you grow in your character. you still got a job to do. You weren't doing this for Judas in the first place. You were doing this for Jesus Christ. Amen. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Speak on that for a minute, Joe. Yeah. I know you've had some Judases. Yeah. He, he, we can call them by name if you want yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we're, not, we're not that show, guys. Yeah, you uh, know... Uh, <laughs> As, if, 
if you do this for any period of time, you're going to have people that are going to turn on you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of the Judas thing is a test of love. Yeah. Because you can even get to the point where you're so obsessed with your fruit and what you're doing mm-hmm. that you don't even need love involved in the discipleship relationship. And what a Judas does is it brings it back and say, were you doing this just because you wanted people to go out and do things and then you get credit for it? Or were you doing this just out of the love of Christ for that individual? Mm, And a Judas will always test your love because if you're doing it for any other reason than love, once you get hit with a Judas, you'll never do it again. Right. Man, that's good. You'll, You'll say... I, I'm not going to invest because I don't know if they're going to turn on me or they cause me so much this pain. This is not effective. Yeah, this is not effective or they cause me so much pain. Well, what kind of focus is that? That's a me-centered focus. It's good. Where love says, I'm called to pour into every person who hungers and thirsts. And we'll get into that in a little bit about the qualifications for discipleship. I believe hunger is the yeah. qualification for this. If they show themselves to be hungry... We can't look at them with suspicion. We just have to pour. Mm-hmm. And when we stop pouring, the oil stops. Right. Mm. And so it's like we've got to keep pouring. And it's not up to us to determine the quality of the vessel. That's if good. the vessel is presented, we pour. Yeah. And if they leak it out all over the floor or they dump it back on you, <laughs> that's that's on them. They'll stand before the Lord. But I think I've seen so many people get burned once or twice or three times, and then they come to that place where, like, three strikes, you're out. I'm never doing this again. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a better way. No, there is no better way. Jesus had a Judas. You're going to have Judases. And it hurts because a Judas, by definition, is a betrayal. And betrayal is not disappointment. Mm Mm-hmm. Disappointment's one thing. Betrayal is a whole other thing. And that's when they begin to speak against you or they right. begin to accuse you of trying to control them or trying to use them or, or, you know, being a hypocrite. I've had them say, you know, Joel's a hypocrite. He doesn't, he doesn't live what he speaks. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, okay, well, that's a big statement. Where? How? Sure. Bring, bring, bring forth some type, but they they don't have any, yeah, right. and they don't need it. It just sounds good, rolling off right. of their tongue, and people who have an ear to hear that, they want right. to hear that, and they they want to get together and agree, and and they want to form a Facebook page, and they want right. to say all these things, and uh, but you just have to keep going on. You just have to keep loving people. You have to keep loving them. I I don't think for a second Jesus didn't love Judas just as much after he betrayed him as he did before. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a matter of love. And you just have to keep loving them, and you have to keep pouring into people, remain open. And, man, something about that just stretches you. And, of course, sitting here in the studio saying it is easy when you're walking through it. And I've walked through it a number of times where somebody who you just thought was going to be a lifelong friend, companion, Somebody you've you've given everything to, and they turn and write a mm. book against you. Dang, yeah, I've I've had I've had not one, several people write a whole book against me, and that was Man. my thanks for five ten years right. of pouring my life out into wow. them. Wow, and so yeah, these books, of course, no one ever read it, and it's. It sure. never went anywhere, but they, it could have been a bestseller. Right? Well, if the it, sales are going up right now. People yeah, are interested right. in well, like, well, the <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, you, you just, something about that causes you to have to die to self and release the love of God and get past the hesitation so that when people come into your, you, you know, your vicinity and they're curious, where you're, you're willing to pour, you're, you're willing to give, you're willing to release, you're willing to let go of that and move forward in this call to disciple because the Great Commission was not to raise up a church. It was not to raise up a ministry. It was to make disciples. And yes, we do that in the local church. Sure. And yes, we do that through ministry and all those things. I'm, I'm just saying, though, we've got to get the primary thing right. We've got to get the cart in its right place, which is events, ministries, all those things, and the horse in its rightful place, and the driving engine of the kingdom is discipleship. That's good. That's good. 
That's good. So, so you talked about the the hunger piece. Break that down for yeah. us a little bit. That's that's yeah. the catalytical event. That's the the distinguishing marker to say I can disciple that person because they're hungry. Yeah, uh, I love to tell this. When I was uh, about twenty one, I was the Lord was starting to use me, and I was preaching and and doing prophesying, doing things, and I started having men come to me and say, "Hey, would you disciple me?" I wasn't in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. I was. I was just in the church, and I started having men come to me and say, hey, will you disciple me? And then, at first, it was great, but then it got to be too much. I couldn't disciple. And so I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, how do I know who to disciple? And the Lord said to me, you always respond to hunger. Hunger is the deciding factor of discipleship. They that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Mm. And I said, well, Lord, they're all hungrier. They wouldn't be coming to me. He said, no, they're not. He said, give a test of yep. hunger. Yep. You know, if, if I come to you and say, hey, I'm hungry, and you put food in front of me and say, ah, I'm not, that's not really what I want. You know. I do it with my kids all the time. I'm not hungry. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a kid will eat a cookie at any time. They mm-hmm. don't have to be hungry. They just want that sugar. But, but real hunger will always produce action. Yep. And so I began to throw a fleece out there, so to speak, for men that were coming to me. And it would be anything from, hey, meet me at the church at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Well, I've got this and that. Not hungry. Mm -hmm. Moved off the list. And then some of them who I didn't want to be hungry because maybe I didn't like them or (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't think they had a lot of potential. (laughs) They won't let go. (laughs) Yeah. They will not. And and I would just be forced to start pouring into them and they would begin growing and then God would begin to shift my heart. And so I always look for hunger. Hmm. In people, and not just a facade of hunger, a proof of hunger. What is your hunger? Whether it's, hey, read through the New Testament with me right now and let's talk about it. Well, you know, I'm doing this thing on you version. It's like, okay. And that's it. Because when you're getting inundated with people who are acting like they're hungry, you have to be very strong. And mm-hmm. But when they are truly hungry, the Lord said this to me. He said, my word is on the line, not yours. I said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. And if you won't fulfill that, I'll move around you to somebody yep. who will. Yep. And that had a massive mark on my youth ministry because I was taught early on in youth ministry, go for the high school quarterbacks, go for the popular kids, go for the ones who have a following. Now it would be a social media following sure. because they're influencers. And if you get them, you're going to make it. But the Lord said, where's the hunger in that? Mm. Who cares what their following is? Who cares if they play on the football team? Who cares if they're a captain of the cheerleading squad? Are they hungry for me? And I totally changed from what I had seen and had modeled for me in youth ministry when I was young to this hunger-based model of discipleship. And that's when I started seeing people who didn't have the look. They didn't have the cool clothes. They weren't on the football team. They didn't even like football. Mm -hmm. They were sitting in the back of a classroom, kind of ignored. I began to see them grow in the things of God. And I began to see them catch on fire and begin to turn schools upside down and begin to bring 10, 20, 30 kids to meetings where they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and meeting with junior high kids at six in the morning for prayer. And I I realized this spirit-led model that the Lord had taught me of hunger-driven discipleship had so much power to it, but yet was sadly so counterintuitive to where we're at now. Mm. And, and so that hunger-based discipleship model and and drive is something that to this day, I, uh, my wife and I had a young lady at our house last night that my wife is is discipling and pouring into, just hungry. She just, everything, we she just writing it down. She said, how do I do that? And man, and when she left our house, it's just this feeling of, man, that was fulfilling. And the night before, I preached to uh, a huge group of young adults, 500 young adults. And that was fulfilling. But there was something special Mm -hmm. about last night because I knew that this girl was going to take what we had given her, get better, get stronger, pursue Jesus more, become a leader at a higher level, and real lasting fruit was going to come from that. So that's like the cost of discipleship piece. And I'll have Levi answer some of that since you see people leaving so much. You know, people are coming to Christ. You know, I want to be your disciple. Sell all you have. Give it to the poor. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to be your disciple. 
let your dad, you know, the dead bury their own dead. Yeah. Uh, let let your let your company fall apart. Just come and follow. Sacrifice when when you are. You know, you're on the street, you're doing ministry, you're doing evangelism, and people want to get discipled, they want to get plugged in. Uh, what are those those requirements of sacrifice, those, you know, kill your ox on the altar kind of things and come and follow me? Right. Well, just to, just to preface that, you know, what he's saying, there's, there's, a, there's a place where you mature and, and, and this light comes on your head and, and you realize I only have so many hours a day, mm-hmm. I only got so many years, and, and I can't afford to not invest, but I've got I've to vet this and I've got to invest in the hungry. And so you see these stories in the Bible you're talking about, the rich young ruler, uh, these people. You, you, you realize they could have been disciple 13, disciple 14, disciple. They could have been maybe used like the Apostle Paul, but the price was too high to ride. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, it's it's uh, and, and who knows what the story would have been. Right. So it's a very scary thing. But for me, it shifted from you get people saved. You want to see them make it so bad. And I spent many early years almost like CPR in somebody to get one little breath out of them. And then, oh, man, let me just empty the, the bank spiritually. You know, you got to bring them back to life. And, and, and just it's not effective. Uh, the ones that I've seen really make it and do something, uh, like Joel said, I mean, I, I, two immediately come to mind. And, and, and thank God for everybody else. But the guy that's been with me the longest um, as far as working for my ministry, working with me, I, I met him as a burnout crackhead. I'd preached at a, a church and I was just filling up with gas and it's a long story. But the guy, when we, we, he actually lived with my wife and I for a time and this guy would get up, he didn't know anything, but he would get up at like four in the morning, be knocking on my door to ask some kind of Bible question. Hmm. And I'm not fit to talk to anybody, but God, I mean, at four, I'm not even up talking to God. <laughs> Five, I get up, I talk to God. Two hours later, I'll talk to my wife. I wanted to punch him in the face, <laughs> but here he'd be every day stomping up and down my stairs and he's here still. And he's being used of God mightily. Mm. The, the, mm. the next one that comes to mind has risen. John Hale, you ought to have him on your broadcast sometime. Okay. Risen to the top of our organization. God's using him mightily. And this guy, first time I laid eyes on him, I was teaching evangelism, church history at a Bible school. He enrolled in the Bible school. And he was just some, you know, just skateboarding. Uh, matter of fact, he was skateboarding up and down the halls of the dorms was how I met the kid. And uh, like, oh, man, God's not ever going to be able to use this guy. But he was so hungry <laughs> that years later he would come and he would just like show up. I want to pray for an hour. Man, I prayed this morning. I'm working. Oh, I want to pray for an hour. He would just like chase me around. He wouldn't. I'd offend him. I'd rebuke him. I'd try to get him to go away. And mm. he'd come back. Mm. And mm. even to this day, I mean, you know, I just I'm Stare hard. On, I'm hard on him, man. <laughs> yeah. But he won't let That's go. Awesome. And because he won't let go, he, he's almost as osmotically caught. And I think there's wow. an osmotic aspect of all discipleship that's why you can't do it out of a workbook Uh, you know you got to be around it and let a certain dna rub off not not my dna but christ's dna that should be alive and active in us it's a it's an active virus it's not a sterile virus or it's not there at all and so you know so these this type of grabbing on and uh, not letting go almost like jacob with the angel you know uh, that's what you want to go after i was that hungry kid i was i was a messy you know But I was hungry for Jesus. I just didn't. I mean, I was coming out of the out of the woods, man. I just had no frame. But I was hungry for Jesus. And so when I see that in somebody, that's what I want to invest in. But like Joel said, you know, you get to where you lay these fleeces out. Jesus was like, you know, leave your boats today. Yeah. Walk away from your dad. I mean, yeah. your dad's whole grandpa was a fisherman and dad was a yeah. fisherman. You're going to be rejected by the whole family when you walk out. Yeah. Yeah. But you but you sell everything and buy the field with the the the, the treasure in it, yeah. and that's the that's price good. of discipleship. But but for the ones of us that have done it, right, we've never regretted that moment. Oh no doubt. Yeah, I, I remember having the students in uh, uh, in the in the high school that we were discipling, mentoring, and there's this one individual, very influential kind of person that you had mentioned before the football star or the whatever yeah. and i'm pouring into them pouring into them i'm getting zero return right they're not interested they don't care right. um and i go to daniel and i'm like hey what what do i do how do i how do i fix this and he's like look a sower goes out to sow yeah. and he finds that there are certain areas where harvest is brought there's some soil that's just better than others so he yep. stops scattering it on yeah. the, the rocky place he right. stops scattering it on the road some of it may fall there but he intentionally sows it into good soil mm-hmm. he's like if you sow into a place wait to receive a return before you keep dumping seed in that same area you're wasting your time you're preventing whatever's there to grow in them uh and there's this, this process of of invest see if there's a return on investment and, and when we say return on investment 
just so everyone here is very clear, we are not talking about feeding our ministry, you know, volunteering in our right, department. Right, the right. investment we're referring to is Christ being formed in yes, someone, yes, someone yes. looking more like Jesus today than they did yesterday because we, we taught some truth, we, we challenged in, in discipleship and prayer and study, and we saw that manifest in them, that Christ's heart and Christ's nature is being formed in them. You know, uh, while Levi was talking, I felt like something in my spirit that we need to say is that one of the reasons a lot of people are not discipling is because they are not being discipled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it takes humility and hunger to maintain your role as a disciple. And uh, in fact, I am receiving right now probably more discipleship than I have at any other point in my That's whole right. ministry. That's awesome. Like, uh, I continue, my dad, of course, is a huge for, I was just on the phone with him, uh, Friday and just talking about pursuing the presence of God and just that discipleship element from him is there. But also at gateway, I am under men of God who are discipling me. Uh, we meet for prayer. They're discipling me in prayer. Uh, we meet to talk about, uh, leadership and being discipled in leadership. And so I feel like right now I am being discipled at a high level. And when you're being discipled, it's so much easier and natural for you to turn and disciple somebody. And if you're discipling people and you're not being discipled, you can even be leading them astray Mm. and you can lose that fire for what really matters. So I think a lot of people who are probably watching and listening today, they're saying, you know, how do I get started in discipleship? Well, you got to make sure you're being discipled. Right. And you're not going to be discipled if you don't have the humility to acknowledge, I need discipleship because mm-hmm. we all need it. I, I know I need it. Right. And I've been serving the Lord my whole life, but I need discipleship. Not only that, but that discipleship is something that you say, I'm going to need to the day that I die. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need people. And, and at some point, you say, well, what do you do when you're 80 years old? How do you find a spiritual father? No, it starts to flip as you get older and younger people begin to disciple you yeah. because they know things you don't know. And I've seen this with older men who I'm connected with who are humble, where they look to me for certain areas mm-hmm. to help them to even really disciple them so that they can remain relevant in the ministry and continue because if you don't, if you're not open and humble and transparent and allowing people to speak into you, you'll get irrelevant. Yep. And how many, how many older men of God have we seen get to 60, 70 years old and become totally irrelevant when they could have had 15, 20, 30 more years of being fruitful in the kingdom, but they couldn't turn and say, you know what? I got the theology part down or I got the character thing down, but there's a lot I don't know about how to get the gospel out or how to relate to the next generation or what the new move of God is going to be. Because I find now uh, I just had uh, a meal with a a man who's about 10 years younger than me. He's about 30. I'm 40. Mm -hmm. And the whole purpose was for him to teach me about the next generation. And I came with a notebook for an hour and took notes and he was, what was he doing? He was discipling me on these kids. They call them the Gen Zers and different things. He was just pouring out to me all this stuff about how we reach them, what they want, how do we really be successful in reaching them. And I was just drinking it in. Mm-hmm. Now, I could have said, hey, I had the biggest youth group in America. I will teach you how to do it. But you know what? I'm recognizing at 40 Mm -hmm. that I've moved past some of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the kids are talking about. I don't know what they're wearing. I don't know what's, I don't, I don't know how to reach those young people at the cutting edge of where they're at. So I'm having to be discipled now by younger men than me because they know how. Mm -hmm. And if I want to be relevant, even at 40 with the young generation, I've got to be discipled. So there's this whole thing that a lot of times is missed on, yeah, if you need to disciple people, but it starts with you being discipled. And if I can't ask you who's discipling you right now and you can't give me at least one or two names, you're not being discipled. Mm-hmm. And if you're not being discipled, you're never going to have a passion to disciple others because it's almost hypocritical for you to disciple people if you don't believe in it enough to be discipled yourself. Yeah. Okay, so many questions that, that funnel into that. Okay, so so um, 
when when talking about discipleship and so it sounds like in some of that there there are different levels or different ways that you can be discipled. Some mm-hmm. of those sound just like educational pieces. Yeah. I sit with this person and they, they coach me, they train me. Um, I sit with other people that they can work on character. I work with mm-hmm. other persons, people that work on theological um, uh, implication, theological uh, uh, applications and those, so, so those sort of things. But um, w- w- what is discipleship, right? Give me... Give me the core basis. This is discipleship. And if we can kind of lay that out, I think all those other questions kind of fall subordinate to that. Uh, when you say, you say, um, I am being discipled by this person or this person is discipling me. What does discipleship mean? Wow. Uh, it's not easy to boil it down because there's so many nuance yeah. Uh, yeah. to it. I, I think, I think at the core of it, it's, is this person inspiring me to go deeper in Christ? Amen. Is this person challenging me mm-hmm. uh, to go further in Christ? Because even like uh, there's things, one thing I would say, if somebody's discipling you, they've challenged something in you th- at some point, whether it's a way of thinking, something you said, something you did. Uh, but it's not just correction because people can correct you and not disciple right. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you can have a business mentor that that corrects you in how you're spending your money. Uh, what we're talking about, a disciple of Christ, is it, to be a disciple of Christ means that you're inspired and challenged to be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And when I all the people that I refer to, and specifically I say I'm being disciple right now, they're teaching me how to be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. They're teaching me how to have the humility of Christ. They're teaching me how to have the the excellence of Christ. They're teaching me how to have the prayer life of Christ. They're teaching me how to handle the word of truth like Christ. All these things, they're inspiring me to be better, to be greater in Christ, to go further in him. And I think that's probably uh, a critical piece in discipleship because, yeah, you can you can hire a coach now off the Internet. Yeah, exactly. Does that mean they're discipling you? Not, Come on. Yeah, 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 no. Yeah, no. Uh, but if someone is inspiring you and like when I say, okay, I sat down with this guy and we talked for an hour, what he was doing beyond educating me, I could have read a book and got what he told me. He Mm could have handed me a book and I could, I was catching the passion he has Mm -hmm. for these Gen Zers who Joel naturally could care less about. I don't care what they're doing. I I don't even like 12 year olds. I don't want to be with them. I don't, but (laughs) After being with him for an hour, mm-hmm. I wanted to go start a small group with some twelve-year-olds right. and get my right. hands on them and and teach right. them about right. Jesus and get them filled with the Holy yeah. Ghost. And I was fired up. What did he I'm do? Glad we don't have headphones. He right. challenged me to go further in Christ and That's to good. pursue Christ more. It happened to be in the avenue of reaching Gen Zers and. Any area where I'm being challenged to have more of Christ, my wife is a huge, she, we disciple each other mm-hmm. because as the Lord speaks things to her, as she challenges me in certain areas, I want to be more like Jesus. And so I think we can't make this discipleship thing so formal yeah. and so stiff and so stark. Are they inspiring you? Are they provoking you to more? And to more hunger and to more righteousness and to more passion and compassion, that to me is at the core. So not all, all not all discipleship relationships are subordinate in the sense no. that they are of, of church leadership. So not if you attend a church, you know, you're subordinate to the church government, but you're not necessarily subordinate mm-hmm. to all discipleship-based yeah. relationships. I would, I would say not legally subordinate, but I do think that like... Uh, you know, there's there's a uh, discipleship is is to reproduce a discipline that maybe has been uh, seasoned. I wouldn't say mastered, but seasoned within yourself into mm-hmm. someone else. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be almost like a, this is a stretch, but almost like a training in a particular martial arts or, or specialty art. R- really, in the Hebrew culture, even your dad would disciple you into being a carpenter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, you know, legally subordinate. No, I maybe I'm not sitting under them. They're my pastor. This kind of thing. Uh, but I am going to seek out someone who's who's shown some fruit and has done so for a solid amount of time and has some something that I don't have. I think of one particular relationship in my life uh, years ago. I showed up on the man's door crying, there's something you have that I need. 
mm-hmm. and that's how we met. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, initial discipleship, you know, walking the things of God and, and Christian character, and it's pretty broad. I think after you develop uh, a little bit farther along the way, it becomes more um, uh, niche, just just individual disciplines. Like he said, I want to grow in this ability to, to connect with and reach mm-hmm. uh, these youth. I don't just need the information, but yeah. again, I need that osmotic transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but but even in in you know being an evangelist, you know, you say, well, you, you never you never get it all. To this day, you know, seventeen years, whatever into this, I'm always. Taking a course, interacting with someone I think is an effective evangelist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you letting guys speak into my life, uh, but I also I'm not just narrowing it to strengths. I'm going over here to a, a weakness or maybe a blind spot, mm-hmm. and I'm saying speak into that. Mm-hmm. You know, grow me in this because I want to be as effective of a tool as I can be. And and quite frankly, also. Uh, just the kingdom of God is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Why would we not want to bring so in more good. and more and more? Yeah. And why would we ever want to put a lid? You know, Joel said, maybe you're going to lead those astray. You know, best case scenario, maybe you don't lead the people astray. You're discipling. You definitely put a lid on them, and they deserve better than that. Mm-hmm. That's that's really good. So so I have a relationship with a, a new believer. I started it three years ago. He's, he's awesome. Um, but, uh, he would always, where's that in the Bible? And I got more out of discipling him than he got out of me because I, it's one of the reasons we do the show is I realized I was wrapped up in so much tradition and I would say things and he'd go, where's your scripture verse? And I'd go, right. Well, I taught you solo scripture a little too early. Um, you know, and it would make me, it would challenge me into this day. Um, when I, when I, when I have a thought, I'm, I, he's one of my sounding boards that I bounce things off of and say, what do you, what do you think about this? And challenge me, help me with that. Uh, sometimes it's newer voices who have been attending your church for six months that are the best people to, to build relationships with. Where are our weaknesses now that you've been here? You know, how could we be doing this better and building those relationships? Um, so two, two, uh, as we've got like 20, 15 minutes left in the program, something like that, uh, two thoughts, um, that I would like to talk about. One, at the very beginning, we were talking about people who want to correct us that we are discipling. Is there a way that you approach those leaders in your life that you are subordinate to where you can you can question in a godly way and say, hey, help me with this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm seeing this incorrectly. How do we approach trying to correct things in people who are above us in that mm. sense? And then and then a second one that I think is really important. We, we, we kind of talked about it just a second. Well, let's let's just do that first one. Right, that's, yeah. that's a loaded question in itself right. and we've only got 15 minutes so uh how do how do we approach that in a christ-like spirit oh man well laced in all of discipleship is humility mm-hmm. yeah. uh i think the only way to to come forward with a a question that could be uh an interaction where there's a disagreement is through humility mm-hmm. and to preface it with you know, I've been thinking about this or I've been praying about this and I'm feeling this, but I know you've said or you've you've taught this. Is there a discrepancy there or is there maybe a way of looking at this? Because so many times we jump to an either or mindset mm-hmm. instead of an and but mindset. Sure. And, uh, you know, it, it things in the spirit, the, the longer you serve God, you realize that things in the spirit are not always black and white. Mm-hmm. They're not always uh, he was right and I was wrong or I was right and they were wrong. Sometimes it's like, yeah, in this situation, that is right. And in this situation, this is right. So if we come with a openness, a humility and ask with a genuine openness and not uh, not a haughty or prideful right. spirit, I, I think it always works out fine. I've never... I've never been in a situation where I couldn't ask a question if it wasn't asking humility. When it's not asking humility and... It's not a question. It's not a question. <laughs> it's, it's an accusation. correction <laughs> or an accusation, yeah. even worse. That's perceived by somebody mm-hmm. in authority, and sometimes they are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that happen where they are wrong. And yet it's way easier to move past that and if it's in humility, they can even say, you know what, that you're right. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can move past it. Where if you come with that accusation, you come like, hey, I'm on your level now. That's what happens most of the time. Yeah. Is the first time someone being discipled think, thinks that they're right and the person discipling them is wrong. Mm-hmm. And their mind now I'm elevated to at least being pe- your peer. Mm-hmm. Maybe I ought to be discipling you. Mm-hmm. And man, that gets really funky. Yeah. 
thoughts? My thought when they get there is you're absolutely right, yeah. and I shouldn't invest any more time in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, at, at the point where you you know it, you've learned all you want to learn. Hallelujah. So, and then the other thought that I had was on relevance. You know, uh, I've had some of the leading professors, some of the the directors of theology at some of the Bible schools in the area, and they'll come on the show and we'll rehash you know thousand year old debates, and then I'll I'll reframe the question. In a relevant topic, say, so, yeah. well, well, that's cool two thousand years ago, but nobody's talking about that now. What about this? You know, we'll talk about Christ and Christology, and and well, everyone's saying that you know that Christ is a man, and and that did everything as a man, and now we're doing everything as God. Um, help me out with that. And they're completely oblivious to the conversations that are taking place now, right. and they go, what? Uh, so so how how do we keep <laughs> our pulse on relevancy without becoming? Ridiculous. Uh, those are the R's for Daniel Norris if he's watching. Relevant without ridiculous. You know, he's got to keep all those, those those words together. Yeah. How, how do we not become carnal? How do we not become fleshly? Because if if being relevant lis- means listening to every Gaga song that comes right. out, that shows you how relevant I am. I couldn't think of an artist other than Gaga. He's probably gone who's now. Yeah, who's uh, that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I just knew people used to preach against her a long time ago. Right. So yeah. anyway, yeah. go for it. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, relevance is a is a very tricky subject. Uh, I, you know, I've seen it on both extremes. One being you, you've got to listen to every song. One guy, the first three months of the year, every year, he would just immerse himself in culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so you're just riding around listening to Jay Z and trash, yeah, garbage, yeah, to be relevant. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think Jesus would do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think we can't bury our head in the sand and not know what's happening around us. Um, you know, when situations happen like w- w- the shootings that have been taking place mm-hmm. and where people are at, and we have to know about that so that we can minister healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is there's a balance that has to be there when it comes to relevance. Uh, I'm never really that worried about becoming irrelevant as long as I don't get too religious. Right. Uh, when you get real religious, that's how you become irrelevant. Yep. And, so true. Uh, the Word of God is always relevant. The Spirit of God is always relevant. And uh, what I do in ministering to pastors and moving in prophetic ministry, I don't need to know the Billboard Top 20 hits to do that. Never will. Uh, but I also I need to be able to have empathy for what's going on in the lives of people, mm-hmm. knowing that people are coming from broken homes. That's relevant. Knowing that people are battling with drug addiction. And, you know, when I first started in youth ministry, every moral issue was a guy and a girl in a heterosexual relationship. By the end of my youth ministry, that was the least of your worries. Every situation I dealt with was a homosexual situation. So relevancy for me was mm-hmm. was not having my head in the sand and thinking that no one is gay. Well, we're obviously dealing with a lot of kids coming into the church that are oh, yeah. battling with homosexuality. And being relevant in discipleship and ministry and preaching was just simply being aware of that fact, mm-hmm. being conscious of that. So I think relevancy is more about consciousness than it is submerging yourself in the latest garbage that the devil's put out. Like I, I remember when the Saw movies came out and these horrible movies that were, you know, just a new level of horror and wickedness. Did I need to go see those movies in order to be able? No, I can say, hey, that spirit of fear will take over your life and destroy right. your life. I just knew that it was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't need to partake of it. I certainly didn't need to be in the theater watching that garbage. And so I think that's some of where relevancy and discipleship come together is relevancy is just being aware so that you can then teach people how to imitate Christ in that environment. Okay, so when we talked a lot about uh, discipleship, uh, discipline, uh, because this is a theology show, what theological principles do you try to implement? So... Um, in, in your education, in your piece, I think of Hebrews, the end of Hebrews 5 and the beginning of Hebrews 6, where he talks about you ought to be teachers by now. It says, not laying again, faith and repentance, laying out of hands, ceremony washings, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. That these are the basic building blocks, the elementary things that we need to constantly be trained on. Um, what, what are principles that you guys prioritize in your discipleship piece? 
I say principles, yeah. I, specifically theological I, again, education. Again, I almost frame that question as limited to like the discipleship center. And that's that's kind of almost, we use that word, but that's almost a different thing because that's very, than what we're really talking about sure. in, in a way because it's so like, you know, this is basic salvation and just really, um, uh, you know, the traditional church would almost said catechism, you know, mm-hmm. the development of basic Christianity. But, but, but there are certain things that are universal to all, um, these different levels, I guess we're saying on the broadcast to discipleship. Um, I, I think the, the answer both with this question and, and the question you just asked him, the common bridge is, you know, get outside your walls. If you're sitting somewhere in a test tube trying to write a manual on this stuff, it's going to become uh, uh, unrelevant very quickly. In fact, the most uh, laughably uh, uh, dis- disconnected teachings you hear are where somebody is, you know, that they've, they've maybe been from a previous generation and they go read some book on how to be hip or how to connect. And, and, and it's the same thing. You're going to miss Super it. Super groovy. You know, yeah, you have these, you have these David Wilkerson's that got out around people mm-hmm. and they were from a completely different world, yeah. but they got around human beings and they yeah. were, they were the epitome of, of, of what was relevant mm-hmm. and, and effective. And so you just get around people. If you're around people that are hurting, you're, you know, you, you have a relevancy to the kingdom of God. You're spending time in that kingdom. Uh, first, and then you're going out around broken people. You're spending time around broken people. I think the necessary things are going to come forth naturally. So if you're if you're you know uh, in prayer over people that are just coming off the streets, God's going to give you the keys to walk through the Word of God, always grounded in the Word of God, to walk them into victory. But then you know you're discipling a pastor uh, in in how to reach the lost. The same thing if you're in prayer, you're connected on the battlefield, not not in a glass house, but on the battlefield. The pieces will be obvious to connect. So, so you're you're saying not not so much a process, not so much precept upon precept, more of a everyone's at a different place. I, as a doctor, you don't give everyone Tylenol if they have cancer, right? I you, think it's, I think you have building blocks in place, sure. but I think the way to keep those building blocks relevant is to stay personally connected. If I wrote a book in 1975, mm-hmm. that book was maybe cutting edge in the telling of the Jesus movement. To Today, there may be some nice nuggets in it, but it's not going to be cutting edge. Uh, I need to stay in the battlefield. And when I'm no longer ready to stay in the battlefield, I need to quit writing books. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Same question. Any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, the Word of God, and Levi touched on this, the Word of God is the first thing that I always go to. Mm-hmm. Because I had a lot of people who wanted me to mentor them in the anointing and how to preach and all these things, but they didn't. I, I believe the word is what lays the foundation for yep. all spiritual discipline. Jesus said the house is built on the rock. Uh, the rock is the word. Jesus is the word. And so a lot of times I would say until we lay a foundation of exposure to the word, we're not going to have a foundation on which to build on. Mm-hmm. And if I give you a bunch of best practices that aren't resting on this book, then it's going to be in vain. It's good. And it's like the guy was asking you, where is it in here? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the best case scenario for a disciple because he's got that mentality that this is where it begins. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the word. Here we are right here. And so I think a lot of times people, they want to meet with people, have meals with them and things, and just pour into them. But they're not doing any of the work behind the scenes to get this inside of them. And so I'm all, whenever I engage with somebody in discipleship, the first thing I want to know is what type of strategy do you have to get this book inside of you mm-hmm. from cover to cover? What, what's the strategy? That doesn't mean you have to read the whole Bible in the next 30 days. But I want to know that you're doing the work at home that's going to be a foundation for the work we're going to do together. Because I can't shortcut you to spiritual maturity right. by just talking to you. So you're, you're, you're going to have to do the work. Your objective is to make sure that the, the proper infrastructure is built. Yes. And then as that's built, they're just going to develop. Just, yes. it's, you're going to give them all the things to teach them how to feed themselves yes. and then let them develop and yes. mature. That's awesome. I, I would say you almost have to have the, the basics of the word like that in prayer to even interpret the language of discipleship. You get yes. the word, That's you good. get prayer. Now you come and follow me as I follow Christ, and we'll overlay yeah. this into the modern context. Yeah. That's good. Okay, yeah. so we've got two minutes left in the program. Joel, give us another um, quick understanding of, of what you're doing, how people connect with you, a little about your, your youth discipleship course, and how people can connect with you on that. Well, uh, I have such a passion for discipleship. And I feel like one of the ways that I can disciple people all over the world is through 
putting together things that will motivate them and inspire them to this heart of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one reason why I'm here today, because I love stirring up hunger for discipleship, bringing awareness to it. And uh, you can go, all, all you have to do is Google Youth Pastor University with Joel Stockstill, and you'll be able to see what I'm doing with that. But beyond that, I, I want to encourage people watching today, become a disciple and begin to form disciples. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't have to have a title. You don't ha- You don't need any qualification, but just having served the Lord for a little bit longer than somebody else who's just getting saved. Right. That's all you need. Be a disciple and form disciples, and the kingdom of God will be advanced. That's awesome. Levi, I tell them everybody a little bit about yourself and how they can connect with you, and we'll, we'll wrap things up. Anything else you want to say maybe? Just run hard after Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want to say, man. Cool. They, you know, no need to advertise Levi Lutz. Cool. Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in this week to The Remnant Radio. We appreciate you watching the program. If you've been blessed at all by the program, go to our website, theremnantradio.com. You can watch all of our previous episodes there. Uh, you can watch episodes with you know Lou Engle. You can watch episodes with Dr. Michael Brown. You can watch episodes with uh, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterians all over the globe theologically uh, to come in to have theological discussions, robust discussions uh, that are hopefully impacting you in your everyday life. If you feel so led, you can donate on that website, theremnantradio.com. And we're on Facebook and YouTube every Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.